Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Good morning. I don't know if you remember who I am. I am uh, Pastor Frank. Some of you may know me as Pofo. If you're in Houston... Whoever you are, you know what I'm talking about. Thanks for being here today. Recently on uh, YouTube saw a little clip of uh, Spartacus, and I think it's a really cool ending. I've never seen the movie, uh, even though it's in the 60s and I was born in the 60s kind of movie. Um, But the ending is really cool where they have finally broken the rebellion and... um, all the slaves, the rebels around this hill, and they're looking for Spartacus. Because back in those days, they didn't have Facebook or facial recognition for them to figure out who Spartacus is. And the Romans, you know, say, listen, all of you slaves, if you, you want to live, just tell us who Spartacus is. And once you tell us who Spartacus is, we'll kill him because he led the rebellion, and the rest of you are free to go. And, uh, you know, for a slave, that sounds pretty good. But then as Spartacus himself, Kirk Douglas, gets ready to stand all around him uh, are the rest of the rebels. And they start going, I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. And I'm touched by that because it just relates. There's, there's this bond, this almost like family-like bond in, in the midst of Spartacus that these guys are saying, you're going to have to kill us all. We are so in love with this guy. You just might as well kill us all because we're all Spartacus. And um, it made me think of my sermon. And so I wanted to do something called I am Ian. I mean, what is that? The youth group goes, they know what's going to go on. So I figured I'd do a little quiz and see how good you guys are. And I want to do I am Ian. So uh, Stefan, not Stephen, but uh, Stefan. Uh, does anyone know who, who this is? This is Ian, Ian Fleming. Does anyone know who Ian Fleming is? Right of James Bond. Yes, there we go. So Ian Fleming. All right. Uh, does anyone know who this is? Who? Yes, Ian McKellen. That's right. Uh, Gandalf, uh, the gray Gandalf, the white, which is one of the most confusing moments in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, because like you've been with the guy forever and you're like, who are you? I'm Gandalf the white. Like what, what's going on? Anyway, so I, I wonder. Okay. Uh, next one. Now, that's you. It's not an Ian though, is it? Someone doesn't know how to spell Ian in his family, but I figured I would throw that in there just in case someone said Ian something or other. And, uh, this, this last one, I think everyone should know. No one knows who Ian Botham is, the famous, famous English cricketer? None of you? Come on. Okay, well, we have to get out in the real world, I guess, once in a while. But that is Ian Botham, a famous cricketer, because, you know, everyone loves cricket. Uh, is Shiji here today? No, he's not. Well, he introduced me to a cricket movie uh, called, I don't even remember what it was, but it was long. It's one of those, one of those Indian movies. It was like five, I mean, literally five hours long. And... Um, I was watching, because my wife wouldn't watch it, and so for the first two and a half hours, I'm watching, I think it's two and a half hours, my wife's about to get home, this movie's going to end, this is great, it, it ends, my wife gets home five minutes later, and I'm like, where's the ending? And I look at the disc, and there's another two and a half hours to go. So I was a little, anyway, here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about Ian. Who is Ian? Uh, any youth group member want to throw their hand up and tell everybody what Ian is? One of you, come on, don't be afraid. It looks like it's going to be Brian Cho. Brian Cho. 
All right, yeah. Why don't you uh, tell us, who is Ian? I don't think they heard you, brother. I think you might have to stand. This is your last chance. Uh, you might have to stand and turn around and tell everybody. Come on now. Yes, Christian without Christ. Ian is a Christian without Christ. And in Scripture, there are two types of Ians. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus confronts a group of Ians. And they say, Jesus, I mean, we cast out demons. uh, We preached in your authority. We did all these miraculous things. And Jesus goes, I'm sorry, but I don't know you. You might have done all those great things, but we have never entered into a relationship where you have come to a place and have recognized the good news that I, King Jesus, stepped down from eternity and I stepped into a world, your world, I became like you, lived in this world to show you what the Father is like, to die on a cross for your sins and your sin, that I might give you life when I rose from the dead and ultimately ascended into heaven. You never knew that. So you're an Ian to me. You are a Christian. You did the Christian things, but you never knew me as Christ. That's one type of Christian. But I think there's a second type of Ian that is mentioned in Scripture, and I think it represents the church at Sardis. So if you want to open your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 3. And I'm going to read this for us, and I want us to see that there is a second type of Ian, and that's the type of Ian who was once a Christian who had Christ in their lives, but now has become complacent and lax in following Jesus. Verse 1 says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has seen the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what At what hour I will come against you. Yet, you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot out his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Sardis is a church filled with Ians. They are a church filled with Ians. They may be Christians, but there's Christ no longer in their life. There is no real life. For Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I came that they might have life, and they might have it abundantly. Jesus told them that they could know that they have eternal life if they know him. If they know the Father. And so in the midst of this, Jesus says to them, he says, I know your works. And you have this reputation of being alive. In other words, you're a good church. From the outside, people may drive by Schomburgie Road and they might look at you and say, okay, there is a church. And they might look and say, hey, maybe Harvest has a reputation. And I even wonder if we could even slip Harvest in here. But you have a reputation that you're alive. 
that there's something going on here. You're, you're good people. You're good citizens. You, you work with, with trafficking. You, you help out kids who, who are fatherless. You do all of these good things. You're, you're socially minded. You care about things. You really are. You're really good. But, but there's something about just having a reputation in the mind and the heart of Jesus that just isn't enough. Because what he's saying here is, listen, you have this great reputation. There, there's nothing wrong with your church. You know, all the other churches that Jesus points to, he might point out some false teaching. He might point out some immorality. He might point out some problem that they have, some persecution that they're going through. But he says to this church, dudes, I know your name. I know you. I, I know your reputation. You're a good church. None of the bad stuff is happening. That's all good. But you're dying. To the church at Smyrna, he said, you guys are dying. You're being killed left and right, but you're alive. There's life there in your church because you're walking with me, which is the whole goal of what Jesus wants us to have, to walk with the Father. And yet here this church at Sardis, a good church, a reputable church, a church that people could look at and say, wow, those people really have it together. Jesus says, you're dying. It doesn't matter what the community thinks about us. It doesn't matter what even we think about us. Because I don't think the church there sat there and said, oh man, we're a bunch of difficult people. We're having a hard time. We're having problems. I think they really did not recognize the fact that they were actually dying because Jesus has to tell them here in verse 2 to wake up. So this church has a good reputation. They're good people, but they're dying. They're Ian's. They don't have the life of Christ anymore. There's no sense of the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the kindness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. The compassion of Jesus lacks. It's not there. And so Jesus is saying to them, guys, you're dying. You're dying. Wake up. Wake up. You're a church of Ian's. But wake up, not because I want to hammer you, not because I want to lay down the line and and, and get you and and rebuke you and and, and leave it at that. He does want to rebuke them because he's saying, wake up. There's a heart of compassion. How many of you have seen the um, Karate Kid movies? You can admit to it, right? And uh, how many of you have seen the new take on them, uh, Cobra Kai on YouTube TV? Anybody? Okay, so there's only three of us who are rotten sinners, I guess, in the whole church, right? One, two, and then Peter up there, three. Nobody else? All right, I have to, con- okay, so if you ever, if you have YouTube TV, which I do, and uh, you go watch Cobra Kai, one thing I have to warn you, the language is not the best. It's not really bad, but it's not the best. It's hard for me uh, to listen to some of the language. Um, but for some reason, I don't know why, I, I thought somebody in church said I should watch it, so I watched it, and I don't know if that's just my excuse because I'm making things up because I wanted to watch it. But I watched it, and as I'm watching this uh, a remake, it's, it's, there's a, I get into the story too much. And, uh, as, and does anyone know what the story is? Like Johnny and, uh, I don't even know what his name is, Ralph Macchio. What's his character again? Daniel. Daniel, that's right. Daniel son, that's right. <laughs> I, see, but my, my, my problem is, my problem is when I watch this karate movie, I think, I look at Ralph Macchio and I think, man, he is so thin. I don't even know how he, you know, and whatever. So, I'm watching this, and if you know anything about Karate Kid, and for the youth group who doesn't know anything at all about Karate Kid, because it probably happened before you were even born, but it's the story of this, this evil karate dojo uh, that takes on this one kid and this, this uh, little Japanese guy, Mr. Miyagi, 
And uh, there's this competition, and, and in the end, good triumphs over evil, because Cobra Kai is this evil group of people. Well, now, fast forward like 20 years into the future, and uh, Daniel and uh, Johnny have both grown up. And uh, Johnny is a down-and-out loser because of his experience way back in movie, chap- uh, movie chapter 1. And uh, in the midst of this movie, and is growing up, Johnny is still like that. He's just this loser who's really good at karate, and he suddenly has this idea, I'm going to start this uh, karate dojo to bring back Cobra Kai, to bring back the evil guys. But the cool thing about the story that's really drawing me in is the fact that Johnny is like, I'm, I think they're building up to be a redemption story. Because this Johnny is finally realizing, look at who I was. And uh, look at who I could be. And, and, and in the midst of this, I'm watching like the last eight episodes of season two. And the whole time, I'm just crying out, Johnny, for the love of God, get redeemed, get changed, be the man that I think that they're building you up to be. And they never get there, which really frustrates me because I don't want to watch season three. But he, it's, it's this, this cry of Jesus, which is, wake up. You know, I'm cheering on Johnny, a fictional character whom somebody else is writing a story for. And yet Jesus, when he speaks to the church at Sardis, he's saying, wake up. Wake up, Ians. Wake up, church. And he's not just speaking to the church out there, but he's speaking to me as part of the church. The pastors, the elders, the deacons, community group leaders, the whole church. And he's telling them, wake up. Can you feel the passion here? That, that, that he's really, there's, there's a redemption story to be made here. You guys aren't done. And that's what Jesus says. He says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. In other words, I'm not done with you. It's almost as though Jesus is, is reaching down and saying to them, please wake up. It's not done. It's not over. I know you have walked away from me. I know you're probably thinking everything is okay. I know you're probably thinking everything is good. It's not. You have a reputation, but reputation means nothing in light of missing character. Missing the heart of God. So Jesus is saying, guys, church, please wake up. It's not done. It's not over. You have to realize you're not Christian anymore. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about people who know Jesus at one time and have forgotten him. They have forgotten Jesus. They are a church of Ian's. They are living the church life without Christ. They're coming to church on Sunday like it's a routine. It's what we do. In a sense, it's like our club. What else are you going to do on Sunday? I know some of us, hey, it would be great to go golfing. That's why we go to church on Saturdays. We don't have a Saturday church. But even on Saturdays, you can still be that Ian who comes to church just because it's what I'm supposed to do. There's no longing. There's no desire. We were talking about this in youth group, Psalm 122. I think it was verse 1, if I remember correctly, where the psalmist says, listen, I rejoice. I rejoice when they came to me and said, let's go to church. When was the last time someone came up to you and you said, hey, let's go to church or let's pray or let's just read God's word and you went, man, I've been longing to do that so bad. Where have you been? And then we hear, let's pray. I gotta take care of this. I gotta take that. Where's the longing to come for worship? So Jesus is just being straight up with the church and he's telling them, listen, 
This is a church of Ian's, but I love you so much. I love you so much. I can't stop there. I want you to come back. So he gives them some instructions. He says, remember, remember, you know, remember the Alamo, right? Remember that as you go off to war, remember what they did to your people and fight harder. Jesus says, remember what it was like before. Remember what it was like in the past. Remember what it was like when you loved me. When you had a heart for me, when your heart bled for me, when it wasn't just about doing things or it wasn't just about having a reputation or someone who was an outstanding citizen, when it really mattered to you that what I said was important. Jesus says, remember that. Remember what you received. Remember what you heard. Keep it and repent. It's a hard word to hear because we think, what does repent mean? We think of repentance I don't know, uh, we kind of think of repentance as something where we're on our knees and our hands and we're crying, we're sobbing, um, we're, just, we're just screaming and hollering in God and, and, for, and that can be repentance. But one of the things we've been learning in youth group is repentance is really more than anything else. It's not the screaming and the hollering and all that other stuff. It's just recognizing that I need to change my mind to be like Christ's and change my behavior to be like Christ. That's real repentance. Because Peter, when he was on the boat, and Jesus did the miracles with the fish, you know what his sin was? His sin was that he was amazed. It wasn't adultery. It wasn't murder. It wasn't gossip. It wasn't all the things that we can say. That's definitely something simple people do. He was amazed. He looked at Jesus. He amazed. He said, I, you did that? Jesus, stay away from me because I am a sinner. Because it was then his repentance, his change of mind, leading to a change of behavior, made him realize that repentance in and of itself is that. It's not all the other stuff. Peter didn't know on the boat flopping around and crying and screaming and, oh, Lord, I'm over, I'm undone. He repented because he recognized what he's done wrong. And Jesus is calling them to repentance. He's saying it's not confession. Repentance is not confession. We, anyone have kids here? It's kind of a rhetorical question, right? Have your kids ever said sorry and you know they didn't mean it? Right? Especially when some kid comes over and steals their toy. It's my favorite toy. Get your hands off that. And then they start arguing, right? And what do we do as parents? Oh, Johnny, it's your toy, but you'll get it back. Because as a parent, you're thinking, man, I think that kid really wants that toy and he's going to take it home. And then you're, there's this tug of war and then, and then you go, okay, now everybody apologize. I'm sorry. Let's hug it out. And you know, inside his mind, what is Johnny thinking, right? He's not thinking at all about anything, but that kid better get his hands off my toy, right? He confesses. I'm wrong. I'm sorry, but he doesn't mean it. How many of us in the confession of our sin are really saying, God, this is wrong? I know it's wrong. But I need to have a right relationship with you because I'm going to get up and preach today or I'm going to try and get a job today and I need your hand of favor and I need your blessing. And really what we're doing is we're confessing this is wrong, but we're not really repenting because repentance is recognizing this really is wrong. And I have offended God, my father, who loves me with an everlasting love. And I need to really work on this because I want to be connected with him. I don't want to be no Ian. I don't want to be someone who is a Christian without Christ. I want to be a Christian with Christ, all of Christ. Give me all of Christ. I want all of Christ. And so Jesus, his wake-up thing and calling them to repentance is not like, oh, you dirty, horrible, stinking, rotten people. I want nothing to do with you. 
Shame on you for all that I've done. His call to repentance is, I love you so much. And I want you to have this life that I have planned for you that I want you to walk in. I want you to experience my fullness. And the experience of the fullness comes through repentance. When we recognize, I've done wrong. I've got a sin problem. But I got a savior solution. I got a sin problem, but I got a savior solution. I don't care what you've done. It's basically what Jesus is saying. If you come back and you come back now, we can make this right. The time is drawing near. It's getting close when it crosses over the line and you can't go any farther. But I'm telling you, right now is the time. Wake up. Wake up. I'm begging you. Wake up because I love you. But in my love, something has to happen, unfortunately. <clears throat> Verse 3 continues on. He says, these are hard words. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Those are hard words because Jesus is, you know, because I think in church world, we like to think God is a God of second chances. Again and again and again and again. You sin, God forgives again and again and again. And there is truth in that, but it is not all the truth because I think it takes us to a point where we stop looking at Jesus really being king and Lord of our lives and we make him into a vending machine of forgiveness. Jesus here is saying, guys, I am grieving. I, am, I cannot tell you how much I am grieving for you, my church, that you have left me. And I want you to wake up and come back so we can enjoy the life that I intend for you. But if you don't, I have to do this. I have to bring discipline. I have to come. And he's, he's using the, the analogy of, of a thief in the night. And the thing about the thief in the night is, has anyone ever been robbed? Anyone ever had your house robbed? Anyone? You've been robbed? Do you want to, I know this is uncalled for, but I'm going to do it. You want to stand up like Brian Cho did and uh, share with us just for a moment what it felt like to be robbed. Few words. I know it's hard, but. You felt violated, right? Jesus, but, but now, remember though, the thieves sent you an appointment card. We are telling you right now, we are going to be at your house while you're working at the 7-Eleven or whatever it is. We're going to come and rob you. Not now, obviously, because hopefully you don't work at a 7-Eleven, but way back when. But we're going to rob you, so just wanted to let you know. Not at all. You see, Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you when it's coming because I'm going to give you a period of time in which you can wake up and come back. But it's coming. So if we're sitting there thinking, man, I got all the time in the world. You don't. You don't. And it's not because Jesus is a harsh taskmaster. If he was, he would have crushed them right then, <coughs> right then and there. But he doesn't. But he's telling them, you can't live this life without me forever. Because if that's your desire, then I need to do something. I'm coming. I'm going to stop. I'm going to ask a question. Verse 6. This is what Jesus is saying. He says to them, He who has an ear, let him hear what he says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what he says to the churches. What he's saying is, 
Church, at Sardis, you are dying. You don't recognize it. You should, but you don't. You're dying. I want you to wake up. And if you wake up, here's what I have waiting for you. He says, you still have a few names in Sardis. People who have not sailed their garments. They will walk with me. You know that walking with God. The walking that Enoch did that earned him an early delivery from life. Not dying. The same walking that Adam had with uh, uh, God in the garden. The same walk that Noah had. The same walk that Abraham had. He said, you will walk with me. There's hope. If you repent, you will walk with me. We'll walk in fellowship. And I will give you these garments of white. These garments of white. Because he says, the one who conquers will be clothed in white garments. And the picture there is one of Nike. How many of you are wearing Nike shoes? Right now, you're wearing shoes of victory. Danny, you might not still be able to dunk. But if you have Nikes on, at least you have shoes of victory. And what the, Jesus is saying to the church at Sardis, Sardis is pretty simple. You can be conquerors. There's hope. Hope can come and fill you and change you, but you've got to listen to what the Spirit is saying to you now. So I'm going to ask, verse 6, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are you today sitting here like I could very well be standing here and Ian? Am I living my life without Christ? I'm not saying that you're the first person who's an Ian. I'm looking at you as the second person who is an Ian. And where is your heart for God? In one month, a month and a half, six weeks, we're going to be at a retreat talking about recharging ourselves. Recharging our relationship with Jesus. We don't have to wait till the retreat. We can now look at ourselves and say, where is my heart? Do I really have Christ as the center of my life now? Am I hungry for him? Am I thirsty for his word? Do I want to spend time with him? What do I do with my free time? When I have hours and hours of free time, what am I doing during that time? What, I'm, what, am I, what do I think about? What do I feel? What do I, when I look at the world, what do I see? Are you in that place where you can honestly stand up and say, today, I'm a full-on Christian. Christ is in my life. Or, can you be honest enough, if you're in this place, to say, you know what? I'm an Ian. And this scares me a little bit. Because I've lost the heart. I have lost a part of me that really mattered. That really gives life. Because the life I'm living right now, I don't feel the life. But this is a wake-up call of Jesus speaking to me, speaking to my heart, and saying, Child, come now. Because my longing is for you. To be with me. To walk with me. To experience me. To enjoy me. To rejoice when you have the opportunity to actually spend time with me. I mean, it's Father's Day. Men, remember what it was like when we first met our wives. The kind of passion that we had. The things that we went out of our way to do to win this woman's heart. And ladies, I'd have to imagine it's the same thing. I'm not a lady. I don't know what it's like. But I have to imagine in some ways when you saw your husband 
other than saying, wow, he's hot. Of course, my wife didn't say that. She says, he's not, but I'll still marry him anyway. Just making sure you're still awake. Honestly, where's your heart today? Where is your heart today? I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes. I have to imagine some of you are sitting there thinking, man, dude, this is like putting the hammer on the anvil. I'm just, if that's what you heard, I hope it isn't. But if that's what you heard, I think you missed the heart of Jesus. And I'm not saying that I had the full-on heart of Jesus. But when he spoke to the church at Sardis, he really cared. He didn't want to hammer them. He wanted to draw them to him. If you're that Ian, don't be afraid to say, you know what, I've been living like an Ian. And I want to surrender that. And I want to remember. And I want to repent. And I want to believe. And I want to surrender my life again to that place where I can experience the life of God in my soul. If you're here today and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm in a good spot, bro. Thanks for this. Glad other people heard this because they need it. I want to caution you. The city of Sardis, a city set on a hill with only one way of attack and impregnable walls, felt that they were impregnable. But twice in history, they fell. Why? Because they grew lax. They thought they were okay. And they weren't. So if you're here today thinking, I'm okay. I, I don't want to question that, but I want to ask a question. Are you sure? Because Sardis would have been pretty sure that they were okay. They had a good reputation. People would have said, that's a church. But they're dying. Are you dying? Are you walking with Jesus? Is there a real life and a sense of him being your all? Your all sufficient all? That nothing else matters? Just give me Jesus? That's a living Christian. I'm going to give us a few minutes. And I want us just to reflect on that. I think we have Audrey behind us. And, uh, you know, I'm loath to do altar calls because altar calls can be based on emotion. But I want to do some sort of altar call. But I'm going to give you a few moments and then I'm going to ask you to step out in some way, shape, or form. I'm not really sure how we're going to do it yet. But I want you to ask those questions. Who is Ian? And like the guys around Spartacus, do we stand up and go, I am Ian? Unfortunately, in this instance, it's not a good thing. But it's a good thing. Because it's that admission, that first step in repentance that brings us back to real relationship with Jesus. You can be the oldest Christian here, the youngest Christian here. You can be a pastor like me, elder or deacon. And we've heard some great praying from the deacons in the last few weeks. I've really enjoyed it. You could be a youth group leader. You could be a community group leader. You could be on the worship team and you could still be Ian all flat out because Jesus spoke to the church at Sardis. He didn't speak to just the people. He spoke to everybody. Church was dying.
And even as you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, the things I've done, God can never forgive me. I just want to tell you, you're believing a lie. If you believe that God cannot forgive, you're believing a lie. Let me preach the gospel to you pretty simple. God became man to live among men, to die on a cross for your sins and for your sin. And he didn't just die to release you from the power of sin, but he rose from the dead, ascended into heaven to give you new life. And if you can look at me and say, God can't forgive me, I can only say then you really don't understand God because infinite God hearing infinite praise and worship gave it all for all of your sin, no matter how bad it is. The cry for you is the same. Come. So here's what I want to do. I want to say this. And even if we all sit down, I don't care. But if you feel like today, man, I am an Ian, and I just want to admit that I am an Ian, I want you to stay seated. But if you feel like, and we're not going to judge you for this, but if you feel like, you know what, man, I am working and I'm trying to love Jesus and follow Jesus. I have my mistakes. I have my failures. That's okay. I'm going to ask you to stand. And if there's anyone who is around you and is seated, I just want you to lay hands on them and just say, Holy Spirit, fill them. Fill them with a vision of Jesus that gives them a clarity of Jesus that lets them see Jesus in such a way that renewal and refreshment and recharging and revival and any other re under the sun is available to them today. And make them know that now through our prayers. So if you feel like you're an Ian, stay seated. But if you feel like you are walking with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to stand. Look around at an Ian who might be sitting near you and to be able to pray for them. And if we all stand, then I'm going to, uh, if we all sit, then I'll sit with you because I probably belong there too. And I'm just going to pray for us all. So I'm just going to give you a minute just to respond. Uh, Stay seated if you feel like you're an Ian. Rise if you don't and pray for those who are around you. Let's take a minute to do that. around you at all and then I'll close us after about a minute so if you're standing please place your hands on the people who are around you and pray for them let them know that as a family I am willing to touch you in your life Don't be afraid to move. If you see an Ian sitting by themselves and no one's praying for them, don't be afraid to move. Please, I want to encourage you. This is family time. Move. Move. If you're standing, move. Move and pray for someone in your family. Even if you don't know them, just pray, Lord, bless this person. Please, I'm begging you, move.
you want more prayer afterwards, please come up and get prayed for. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, but I'm going to encourage you. Those of you who are standing, continue to move around. I'm going to turn off the mic. If you're an Ian and you want to still have someone come and pray for you, you stay right where you are. We'll walk around. If we miss you, come on forward. We'll pray for you afterwards. Our Father in heaven, you are a good and gracious God. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I just don't get how good and how gracious that you are. I look at myself sometimes and wonder why. Why? What is wrong with you? Why do you pick such a messed up person? And yet that's who you are. Everyone here. Christ died for us even before we were born. You knew who we were, who we were going to be, who we are. And yet your love, so grand, so glorious, has stepped down from heaven and said, here is the Father, and here's what you mean to me. Jesus, as you hung on the cross, you said, it is done. Nothing we have to do to earn your grace and your mercy and the privilege of being adopted into your family. We don't do that. You've already initiated. You've already done it. Holy Spirit, you are here. Stir in our hearts a renewed love for Jesus. Deep within our hearts. We don't want to be Ian's. We don't want to play games. We don't want to continue in slumber. We want to wake up. Revive us, O oh God. <coughs> in your mercy and grace. As we sing our last few songs, we pray this in Jesus' name. Continue to stir in our hearts. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.